I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hi everyone, say hi to Dr. Doni Wilson. She's a naturopathic doctor, professional midwife, and certified nutrition specialist. Dr. Doni has developed her stress recovery protocol whilst in the process of solving her own experience with severe migraines in 25 years. She helps patients reverse challenging health conditions and is the author of Stress Warrior. I have her on the show today to discuss about migraines and its connection to our hormones. We will also talk about ways to recover from chronic stress and the importance of sleep. So welcome, Dr. Doni. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on here because I've been following you for a while and I'm quite familiar with all your blogs and your articles. But, you know, for the audience here, um, I know you have had personal experience with migraines and you eventually got through them. So could you actually tell the audience more about migraines? Like, Mm -hmm. why do they develop and what are the different kinds of migraines? Mm -hmm, For sure. And I think that a lot more people have migraines than we realize because sometimes they may not even be diagnosed. It might be that you're just thinking of it as a severe headache and you're not, you know, maybe you're not sure, hey, is this actually a migraine? And even then, even if it's a severe headache, it's a lot of pain to deal with. And um, and I think a lot of times people have that without without really talking about it or telling people that they're dealing with um, constant or frequent headaches. Um, and there definitely are different types when it comes to, um, you know, if you really want to get specific about naming them and, and diagnosing them, there's, and it really comes down to the way I think about it is this sort of the pattern sort of, does it happen, um, you know, really close together? Does it happen far apart? So how frequent are they happening? How severe? Um, what symptoms come with the head pain. So um, some migraines will have what we call an aura where you you might see, you might kind of have a visual shift. So you might be um, changing light or, or sensitivity to light that comes before the head pain starts or sometimes during the head pain. And other people don't get that, you know, those, those, that aura or, ch- or change in light. Um, some people get vomiting with a migraine like I did, and some people don't get vomiting. So it, they get named differently based on what other symptoms come with it. Some, sometimes it's more associated with the menstrual cycle or with, say, uh, changes in women's hormones, like um, whether it's with PMS or with perimenopause. Um, and then some people have migraines that don't even have exactly head pain. It can be more of, um, um, sometimes they just get the light sensitivity without actual head pain. Um, for me, sometimes I would get more like neck pain. So it wasn't so much in my head, but a little bit lower down in my neck. So sometimes there, it's not a classic head pain, it, but it comes in a similar pattern as a migraine. Um, and so some those are, those are also types of migraines where it's 
it's you know more it's still sometimes associated with the same mechanisms like hormonal changes or um, sometimes it's related to blood vessel constriction and dilation um, but it can show up differently for different people so it's I think it's interesting right but to realize hey this we can we can it helped me to look at it as all slight variations on a common theme so then I can address them similarly it's just that they each person's human body might express it a little differently. That is really interesting. So would you say that, you know, the difference between a migraine and a headache is that usually migraines might come with other symptoms as well? Because I'm guessing headaches are just, you know, kind of just very narrowed to a specific part, right? Yeah, that's true. It could be that. It can also be somewhat to do with the severity of the pain or how long it lasts. Okay. And, um, and it, Sometimes headaches can happen like they call a cluster headache where it's just one, you know, one after the next, one after the next. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so sometimes we name things slightly differently, like a headache or a cluster headache when, you know, it, it does, it's just a, it, kind of where we draw the line, so to speak, you know, in our definitions, do we want to call it a headache or do we want to call it a migraine? And I think that sometimes a person with a headache, they might just go take let's say an aspirin classically, right? Or an Advil, and maybe it goes away. And so they think, oh, it's just a headache. I took an Advil and it went away. But it might actually be some, you know, maybe actually categorized as a migraine. And so you would, you would really, to know for sure how it exactly is categorized, you would see a, um, usually a medical doctor who's more of a neurologist or who actually specifically specializes in headaches and migraines. Mm-hmm. And then they could give it an exact name. But from a naturopathic and nutrition perspective, the way I look at it is anytime you're getting any, any, um, any of these variety of symptoms, I'm looking more for the underlying cause. I'm looking for what is it that triggered that response in the body to create, to create the pain, whether it's a regular headache or a, or a frequent migraine, I'm still thinking of it as the same. What triggered it? And that right. way we can solve it. That's a functional yeah, functional medicine perspective as well. Um, mm-hmm. It's great that you brought that up because I was just going to ask you, like you mentioned that some women have migraines due to hormonal changes, perimenopause. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any like physical alterations that could you know, cause them to have migraines? Like what are the common like root causes mm-hmm. that you've seen? Yeah, the root causes, it's, it's to me, there's a, a, a quite a long list of possibilities and I'm, from my experience, especially with migraines myself, I, I don't think that it's very often just one cause. I mm-hmm. think that it's often more than one thing. And it's kind of like they all add up. Like if you had just one thing going on, maybe it would be just a minor headache. But then the more root causes it pile up, the more likely it's going to become a chronic or recurrent um, issue. And um, those would include, I usually start by thinking of, of diet because definitely there's a connection between multiple things with diet actually. It could be blood sugar issues. So some people, if they aren't, maybe they have a diet that's, they're having a higher amount of sugar or carbohydrates, or maybe they're skipping meals and their blood sugar is dropping too low. So if either you have blood sugar too high or too low or both, that can trigger headaches and migraines. 
Um, and so just starting to pay attention to how can I eat in such a way where I keep my blood sugar levels more balanced can make a big difference. But also it's the types of foods because certain foods can trigger um, reactions in our body, right? So it could trigger right. an immune response, which would be the classic when people think about a food reaction, they think of a food allergy, like when someone's allergic to peanuts and they end up in the emergency room. It's probably not that. I mean, yes, a person who is allergic to peanuts and ends up having a reaction and goes to the emergency room, they might also get a headache, <laughs> but that's, right. that's less often the cause of the things we're talking about. We're thinking of more like reactions to foods that might be more subtle and delayed, like um, IgA or IgG food sensitivities, like uh, the classic gluten sensitivity or dairy sensitivity, where if you have more, if you're eating more of those foods and they're triggering an antibody response, it's increasing inflammation in the body in general, because mm -hmm. inflammation from a food can travel anywhere in the body, including the nervous system. In fact, a classic symptom of gluten sensitivity is headaches and migraines. Yeah. People a lot of times don't realize they're thinking, oh, I'm going to have a stomach ache if I eat gluten but you might not get any kind of stomach problem at all. It might just cause headaches and migraines. And so it could be a food sensitivity. It can also be certain foods are more likely to trigger histamine. Histamine, we usually think of as uh, triggering like a classic allergy response, but certain foods are more likely to trigger histamine. So if you're eating foods that are um, histamine triggers, which would be like usually aged foods, aged meats and cheeses or vinegars or um, uh, sometimes citrus fruits. And there's a whole long list. These, if you eat a lot of those foods, it could trigger histamine and that could trigger a headache or migraine. Um, same with a classic with migraines is tyramine containing foods. Um, the tyramine containing foods again are the aged meats and cheeses and chocolate. And so for some people it's, it's that they're eating too many foods with high tyramine in them. And so it's a process of figuring out like, okay, based on what you're eating in your body, which foods might, you know, in a little bit might be fine, but if you're eating it every day or too much, then it might just build up and be too much and end up triggering, uh, triggering a headache or migraine. And so we look at, I look a lot at foods and helping people figure that out. Um, and then there might also be other issues like hormonal shifts, you know, especially for women, if there's um, estrogen and progesterone, we know shifts throughout the menstrual cycle and definitely with perimenopause and, and during pregnancy and after pregnancy, the estrogen and progesterone do all kinds of shifting. Right. And so that what's interesting to me is that estrogen in particular um, will the blood vessels, it talks to the blood vessels, basically. So when estrogen is going up and down a lot, um, like with a hot flash, classically, that's the, the estrogen's kind of, I call it turbulence. There's estrogen turbulence. <laughs> yes. And it's, it, it kind of confuses the blood vessels. The blood vessels are like, do we constrict? Do we dilate? Do we constrict? Do we dilate? And as soon as we get this kind of like constricting and dilating of the blood vessels, that can trigger a headache or migraine. Um, and that's why some people, um, they find caffeine beneficial because caffeine also can work on the blood vessel constriction and dilation. And so some people at the onset of a migraine will find that drinking some caffeine helps because it can stabilize the blood vessels. So I look at that too, like how, what are the different things we can use from nature, like herbs, for example, that are 
antihistamine that helps stabilize the blood vessels so that the blood vessels aren't going like this. Or if it comes right. to estrogen, how do we stabilize the estrogen so it's not in? We don't want an estrogen turbulence or we don't, you know, if the estrogen goes way up high um, before the, the period starts and then right at the start of the period or right before the start of the period, the estrogen drops. Like it's just, it just boom. I'm a thing, right. So then no wonder the, the blood vessels and the nervous system are like, what just happened? Where'd all the estrogen go? And so it's like a shock to the system. And that's why, that's why sometimes that can trigger a migraine either right during the menstrual, you know, so now the estrogen drop low. So the, the headache or migraine happens during the period when the estrogen's at its lowest. Mm-hmm. What if like the migraine losses, the chronic migraines are right before the period, not on mm-hmm. the period. Is that just like a sign that estrogen is too high or? It can really vary. Mm-hmm. For some people it's, you know, I think it's, well, first of all, what I like to do is test, you know, like okay. to me, I'm like, okay, if I'm wondering what's going on, if, if you see a pattern, oh, I get a, a migraine every month right before my period or every month at the first day of my period or whatever the pattern is, if you start to notice it and you're like, hmm, there's something going on here, mm-hmm. then what I would do is I would, I would test it because in a blood test, it's not like a regular blood test at the lab. It's probably not going to help, but there's um, specialty urine tests we can do that um, pick up on estrogen levels and also how you're detoxifying estrogen. So we actually do the test maybe about a week before the period and we do urine so we can see the estrogen, progesterone, and we can see how well you're detoxifying estrogen. And this can really help us answer that question. What's going on? Because it can really vary by the person. Mm-hmm. Um, right. To me, I think a lot of times it's that it's more about the imbalance with progesterone. You want estrogen and progesterone to kind of be equal to each other. So if there's more estrogen than progesterone, then that's out of balance and that can that can send a person up for, you know, that headache during the PMS time. Or it could be that the, you know, maybe they're in balance, but it's, or relatively in balance, but then it's just the drop in estrogen or the estrogen drops before the progesterone or, so that you see, there's a lot of different possible mm-hmm. possibilities of what can happen. But if those hormones are in balance, we know we're less likely to have, a, have an issue. It's more when they're out of balance or when they're fluctuating a lot, that's when, of course, right, our bodies are going to notice. These are the messengers inside of us. And our bodies are very, they're paying attention, they're noticing, they're aware. So if the messengers inside of us start doing something different or start making a big change, just like with blood sugar levels we were talking about, your nervous system's going to notice. It's going to, like, I think of the migraine as basically it's an alert system. It's trying to tell us hey, something's going on in here that needs attention. (laughs) And this is what I learned from my migraines, that every time I got a migraine, I, at first, of course, you're like, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so bummed that I have this migraine again. And because I would have to cancel plans and appointments with patients. And I would be, you know, you're just like, this isn't what I had planned for my day. Why is this happening? You know, so there's a part of it where you're just mad and, frustrated that you're experiencing it and then you're in pain at the same time and then I would get to a point of saying what is this migraine trying to tell me what what triggered it what is the pattern what's going on inside my body where the body's creating a migraine to try to signal to me that something needs attention 
And so that's what I encourage any, anyone who's experiencing these symptoms to do is to just use it as a chance to listen to your body and to learn, hey, is there, you know, what aspects of this? I, for me, I also had um, some physical um, aspects because um, I finally figured out that I have hypermobility of my joints. And I see. Um, what that means is, I mean, hypermobility, a lot of people have without realizing it. And it may be called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, or sometimes it doesn't get diagnosed at all. It's if you have joints that are likely to can can flex further than most joints, you know. So if you're, you know, your right. joint, you know, usually I'm like hypermobile too. Hypermobile joints. Yes. So what happens then is when we when we're in a position for a long time, whether that's driving or sitting at a desk, or, you know, working on a computer then the joints tend to, or even if you're just exercising, but your joints are moving too far, then it can trigger muscle spasms and that can lead to migraines. And so I finally figured out, like right now I'm standing because I figured out I can't sit all day. If I sit for more than an hour, I start to get a headache. And if I, if I was, for how many years I was sitting you know, many, many hours during the day while I was working with the patients. And so by the end of the day, all these muscles in my neck were spasming. And of course, then that's going to trigger the migraine. So it's, you want to become aware on a physical level too, and, and find what amount of posture, just your daily posture Mm -hmm. and what amount of exercise or stretching or, you know, just paying attention. What does your body need for years? I also, um, to try to prevent the migraines, I would do, I would get physical therapy and massage and myofascial release and acupuncture and every different kind of <laughs> treatment to try to help get my, keep my joints aligned and my muscles relaxed. And, um, and, you know, now some, I do that occasionally, but luckily now I'm not, I don't have to do that all the time. I mean, I love it. It's, I enjoy it, <laughs> but but I, I was reliant on it. If I didn't have my physical therapy and massage or myofascial treatment every week, right. I would have been in a constant migraine. I was, you know, probably people listening can relate to just being either getting ready for the next migraine or recovering from the last one, just constantly. That sounds so hard and difficult to live with. Um, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, And also, you know, you talked a lot about like the root causes of migraines. Um, It was very interesting that how it's also linked back to like food intolerances and sensitivities Mm -hmm. and really goes to show that, yeah, whatever you eat really does have an impact um, Mm -hmm. also on your nervous system. Um, I like also what you were saying about how migraines are like, um, like a warning signal or a sign that something's up something's wrong Um, I think a lot of women who experience migraines they don't tend to think of it that way they think like oh you know maybe it's something like dehydration or just something to do with the head area so that's really nice that there's some kind of linkage back to the gut so I was just going to ask you like how are symptoms of migraines actually linked to stress and lack of sleep because I'm pretty sure that they are too yeah I'm so glad you mentioned because as you were reviewing I was thinking I mean when you you know, I'm always thinking, well, what's the root cause of that? Like, so if we think, well, well, why are we becoming sensitive to foods? Or why are the hormones disrupted? Why is the blood sugar imbalanced? 
And if we keep asking why, we realize, oh, these happen because of various stresses that we're exposed to. So to me, when we keep digging down, digging down, digging down, it comes back to stress on our system. And again, as humans, we're going to be exposed to stress. That's just part of being a human. We're going to have stress exposure. So it's the goal is not to try to eliminate all stress. And it's not to try to live in a bubble, you know, so to speak. Those aren't going to be solutions either. Believe me, I, I've tried and I've considered all of it. <laughs> but um, um, but I think it's a matter of just learning, hey, what are the stresses in my from my body and in my life that just add up to too much stress? And because what we know is when we're under too much stress without enough stress recovery, it leads to leaky gut, which is what ends up causing the food sensitivities. It disrupts our gut, gut bacteria, which also causes more leaky gut. And a lot of times with leaky gut, people don't realize they have it because it doesn't necessarily cause, you know, diarrhea or digestive symptoms. It's leaky gut is literally in the walls of the intestines where the, the walls are not as healthy as they could be. And they were allowing food to leak through and trigger an immune response or inflammatory response. So stress is a different type. So when I say that, I mean, emotional physical stress like it could be psycho-emotional just stress from from our childhood stress from um having a job and 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 financial stress having relationships stress you know there's there's these emotional stresses that that, that happen there's also um physical stresses like an injury or an infection or even um being exposed to certain toxins is i would consider to be a stress um certain foods would be a stress um, so toxins would be along the lines of even like pesticide exposure. For me, one of my major toxin exposures was from my mattress in my bed. I had a memory foam mattress that was mm -hmm. filled with flame retardant. And um, memory foam sounds good, but if it's filled with flame retardant, it's not good. It's well known to cause migraines. So I changed my, my mattress, got an organic one, and that made a huge difference for me. Awesome. So, and there can be mold exposure that's a toxin. There's metal exposure. So we need to look at these toxins that we're potentially exposed to as a stress that then sets us up for this, this pattern of, you know, it's the stresses that set us up for the, the digestive issues, the leaky gut, the hormone imbalances, the immune system more inflammatory and the nervous system that's out of balance. So, you know, that's what happens when we're exposed to these various stresses. And even as you mentioned, lack of sleep, is to me a stress, you know, I mean, there's times when you're going to have a night or something where you're going to have a little less sleep. That's not the problem. It's more when we're living our lives with less than seven and a half hours of sleep, you know, if we just keep doing that over and over. And sometimes it's out of our control. If it's, you know, maybe you're awake because you have a baby that needs you or a loved one who you're taking care of, or, you know, there's, there's sometimes circumstances where, you know, you're just getting less sleep. But what we want to do is take that into consideration and say, okay, if you're getting less sleep, we need to make sure you're making up for it by doing these other things to help your body recover from the stress of lack of sleep. Same as if you, you know, say you're under a deadline for school or work. Okay, we know your stress is higher. What are we going to do to help counteract that and do the stress recovery? I mean, an athlete, like sometimes I use an example of like a marathon runner, they know they're going to be under more stress because they're running longer. It's going to put more stress on their body. Mm -hmm. So they automatically 
um, they, in their training, they include more stress recovery. They might need more sleep, more nutrients, more massages, right? So, but we don't, for those of us who aren't, you know, running a marathon in reality, we don't realize, oh, I need to do more stress recovery. I need to make sure I'm eating healthier. I, if I can improve my sleep, I do that. What other stress recovery can I do? Is it meditation or journaling or gardening or, you know, talking to a friend? All of these activities, um, studies have shown help us recover from stress. And the more we do stress recovery, and then it counterbalances the stress. And, and so then the stress doesn't have the chance to disrupt everything inside our systems. So that's what I think the migraines are telling us. That's what the migraines told me. You know, basically, I eventually realized that I would, when I got a migraine, it forced me to take a break and recover, right? I couldn't do right. anything else. I had to just lay down and just do nothing for 12 to 24 hours. And then I thought to myself, well, what if I just create more breaks in my schedule on purpose without a migraine? Wouldn't that be better to spend 12 to, four, 12 to 24 hours doing what I want to do yeah, <laughs> instead of being sure. pain with a migraine? And so I learned from the migraine, I need more stress recovery. I need to build in breaks in my schedule so that I don't, it doesn't have to, I don't have to have a migraine to force me to take a break. And maybe a lot of other people can relate to that too. It's just like, hey, we can, we can actually look at our schedule and figure out what do I need to do differently with my eating, with my, and this is, this is part of what's included in my stress recovery protocol then is let's figure out what do I need to do to help maintain my health over time and counterbalance the stress with stress recovery. That's awesome. I think, you know, you totally outlined like what I was going to ask you next, which is about your protocol. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's mm -hmm. definitely like having a balance of like having that stress response and also knowing how to adapt to it better too. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I would have to say that a lot of women now, even though they're may not be marathon runners, I feel like their lives are like a marathon because we just got to keep yes. going all the time. And we have so many, you know, pulls from everywhere all areas of mm -hmm. life um you yeah, know so, so is there anything else in your protocol that you wanted to highlight for women who want to recover from stress so what i do is i do this is what i was just talking about is is what i call care which is the c has to do with clean eating but the key with care is we want to do it in a non-stressful way right it's if we're trying to recover from stress it doesn't help to get stressed about our recovery <laughs> yes. so i like to bring that out too you know, it's like it's a vicious cycle. It is. It wants to keep jumping in again. So you have to kind of become really good at being like, hey, how do I do this in a way that just feels really good to my body? That's doing it from a place of let me be loving to myself, accepting of my body, my brain, my nervous system. Okay. I accept that my body creates migraines to tell me when it's overwhelmed. Okay. I accept that. Now, what can I do to be compassionate and caring for my own body? And so when you can start from there, you know, it's so important versus doing it because someone else said you should or another right. woulda, coulda, shoulda expectation because then it's just back in the whole stress realm again, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to step outside that stress realm and say, okay, who, who am I? What, what's, what do I really value? What am I going to be doing with my time? And, and based on that, what choices do I want to make? And then you could go, okay, care. Okay, clean eating. Let me eat in a way that's supportive of 
from my body. And it could be different from person to person. Um, adequate sleep, what is adequate sleep for you and your body? Um, and what, you know, what hours of the night or day? Um, recovery activities, which, which are the ones that really resonate for you? For some people really love meditation, other people would prefer um, something else. Um, so you want to experiment and find what is the stress recovery activity that really resonates for me? And then E is for exercise. So learning what amount of exercise for those of us with hypermobility, we have to be careful with exercise because it's easy to overdo it. Okay. And so implementing care um, is the beginning step. And that works throughout the stress recovery protocol. And then in the stress recovery protocol, there's really three phases. The first phase is all about getting out of that stress mode. How do we correct for stress mode? Because in stress mode, usually our cortisol and adrenaline are engaged. They're either too high or too low. And that's what's disrupting everything else in our body. So we first need to get out of stress mode. And sometimes I think people don't even realize they're in stress mode because it becomes so familiar. Right, yes. We're just, it's normal. It's all we experience all the time anyway. So we're like, wasn't this just the way it's supposed to be? But when we realize, no, I'm constantly in stress mode. My body's constantly in a ready to react. Even if, even if it's Saturday afternoon and you're supposed to be chilling out, your body's ready to react. Then you know you're in stress mode. So we need to get first out of stress mode and calm everything down. And we can start healing like you got, and we can start balancing blood sugar and start balancing neurotransmitters, um, which I help a lot with also. We can do that with nutrients. We start to calm everything back down. And then phase two is a lot about balancing. How do we balance that estrogen progesterone? How do we balance the, the, um, the adrenaline and cortisol? How do we get it to where it's at an optimal level again? And we can do that using herbs and nutrients and other techniques. So it's about get out of stress mode, get everything back to balance again. Now you're mm -hmm. starting from scratch, so to speak. You're like, okay, now I'm starting from a balance point. So phase three is all about how do you maintain that over time? How do you maintain this balance in a new way? Because if we go right back to our old way of doing things, it's going to recreate the issue again. Right. <laughs> and then yes. you're like, oh, right back here again. How did that happen? But it happens because we're human and we're, our bodies tend and our nervous system tends to go with with what we learned from our parents and generations before us. If we're gonna shift this pattern, we're gonna have to outsmart that current. It's almost like a current that wants to drive us towards stress mode. And we have to get good at being like, no, I'm gonna anticipate, I'm gonna plan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the things that I know my body needs in order to maintain um, stress recovery and resilience. I love that. Very good um, you know, progression in your phases. Um, thank you for outlining that in your protocol. I think, you know, your book is also will be really valuable for anyone who's like, um, doesn't really understand about stress or is chronically burnout. I think that's a really good way for them to kind of get into and understand what the stress response is. Yes, the stress warrior um, came out a couple of years ago and I have a new book coming out in oh, cool. about six months. It's also talking about this. It's, it's, um, it's about um, mastering your stress. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. So there's more to come. And I, right. because I'm so passionate about sharing this information, as you can tell, that I just keep looking for more ways to really help people with it. Awesome. So if anyone wants to find more of your work, where can they find you? Um, well, my website is at drdonnie.com. Donnie is D O N I, which is short for Donnie L, by the way. 
Um, but I just, if you go to just spell it out, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-O-N-I.com. And um, you can find my website and my blog and, and books and everything there. Awesome. I'll link all of that and also, you know, the acronym CARE in the show notes so that people can review that. Thank you so much for your time today. I actually learned a little bit more about migraines and how there are like symptoms of, you know, inflammation of or something else that is being wrong with us. So. And one thing, if you don't mind that I share, one yeah. of the things that was really a breakthrough for me with my migraines also was to talk about them. Right. For so long, and I think a lot of people feel isolated with their migraines because I, migraines also make you want to isolate. They make you want to be in the dark by yourself and not talk to anybody. You're kind of isolating, right, as an experience. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that it helped, not in the midst of the migraine, but maybe after the migraine when you're feeling a little better, talk about it with people. I had a migraine. This is really hard. This is what I go through. Want something about talking about it really makes a difference and helps to solve it. So if you if you're not usually talking about your migraine experience, I encourage you to talk about it with others um, because even if they don't if they've never had a migraine, they may not totally understand, it mm -hmm. still helps you to communicate and verbalize about it. And so I really like to add that it's a way of being able to connect with yourself and get support from others. Mm -hmm. um, from that I love that. Yeah, I think also very common in like all the other conditions, the more you voice out whatever you're struggling with, it's easier to find community, but also like you're not isolating yourself. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for today. Uh, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I'm, I appreciate this conversation and uh, I'll be glad to share it with others too. So thank you. All right.